Welcome to Real Estate Investor Secrets, the podcast that reveals the blueprint to building a $1 million real estate portfolio through passive investing. I'm your host, Ryan Ang, sharing the exact blueprint that we use to go from a $240,000 fourplex to managing over $200 million in multifamily real estate assets. Each week, we'll explore commercial real estate secrets to accelerate your wealth building journey. Our goal is financial freedom and abundance for you through real estate investing. Join us to uncover strategies, insights, and hidden gems for exponential wealth growth. Learn from successful investors who achieved independence through passive investing. Now, whether you're starting out or experienced, this podcast delivers actionable insights and valuable resources for your real estate portfolio. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Real Estate Investor Secrets and tap into seasoned investors' wisdom. And together, we'll unlock real estate investing secrets for a future of freedom and abundance. What's up, everybody? Welcome. I am your host, Ryan Ank, and I am actually introducing our co-host. We have carefully selected to go along with our mission, and our mission is to give you the blueprint to make millions with multifamily investing. By listening to these episodes, you will have not only the blueprint, but the wisdom and the action items that you need to take to uh, be part of this great vehicle of creating passive income, legacy wealth, etc. Speaking of legacy wealth. Let me introduce my co-host, father and two son team, the Hendersons. I asked them to be part of the co-hosts of this podcast. Number one, they're you know, high value providing people. There's a lot of things that you probably need that they could serve you with. Um, and they're always just an open book, just giving as much knowledge away as possible. Uh, the other reason is because they actually have a ton of experience within the realm of multifamily investing and, and specific niches within the investing, specifically lending. So uh, let me introduce them one by one. First, we have the father, Dr. Jason Henderson, was born in Pocatello, uh, Idaho. He's the youngest of nine children which is a tremendous amount of kids. I've got five kids. My wife was the oldest of 11 kids. You know, you kind of get along with people that also have uh, have that experience of having a lot of children. All girls except seven, which I cannot relate to because I've got all five boys. But uh, his parents were both teenagers during the Depression, uh, raised their family with a great appreciation for frugalness. Uh, Jason found a love for science, and he has received degrees in chemistry at BYU, Purdue University, and finished at Caltech. Uh, he has published 28 peer-reviewed scientific papers and five issued U.S. patents. I can't wait to ask about that. One of Jason's chemistry professors often asked, you're so smart, why aren't you rich? So motivated to build wealth in the most efficient manner, Jason started to do research and like many of us has become victim of the rich dad, poor dad uh, books and mentality and teaching. Uh, and he recognized that his own father was both rich dad and poor dad. He was poor dad in the advice that he gave, but actually rich dad in practice. Uh, he was introduced to the infinite banking concept 17 years ago. He is a practitioner and coach of that concept. We'll get into that a little bit. And in Jason's personal life, it's full of adventure with his wife, his six kids, 
Um, and uh, he's usually found coaching baseball, teaching piano to his children, skiing or volunteering his time in church service or other service organizations. So, Jason, welcome. Thank you so much for being a co-host on this uh, podcast. Hey, the pleasure is all mine, Ryan. I'm I'm delighted to be a part of this great event and uh, podcast. Thank you so much. Now, introducing your son, the first one, Scott Henderson. He is the founder of Hender X Capital. He's an entrepreneur. He's an investor. Uh, he's a third-generation real estate owner and investor, providing very valuable wisdom from the, the depth of experience that he has. He's learned the complexities of successful real estate uh, and investing at a young age from his father and his grandfather. Scott also gleaned insights from many decades of their combined experience. So in 2022 alone, Scott and his team funded over $100 million in loans, including conventional, hard money, non-QM, and everything in between. Scott is currently the point person for three different hard money funds. They have a range of assets under management totaling approximately $200 million. In this position, Scott's expertise in financing, deal finding, underwriting, and negotiating transactions has proven invaluable in the growth and success of their business there. Part of us choosing the the Henderson team as being co-hosts is because they do have that depth of experience from that side as a lender as well. So thank you so much, Scott, for, for being part of this and uh, and welcome. Hey, I appreciate that. I'm thrilled to be here. And last but not least, we've got Carter, uh, the, the younger one. He was born in Pasadena, California, and raised in northern Utah, the second of six children. Carter spent a lot of time growing up working in his father's rental properties, a little hands-on experience at the ground level, uh, quickly developed an affinity for property repair and management construction, and, of course, entrepreneurship. Carter is currently a full-time professional in real estate finance and a full-time student as well at BYU's a Marriott School of Business, where he attends with his beautiful wife, Elena, who he married in August. Congrats, by the way, on that. Despite his student status, Carter has developed a strong real estate portfolio and funded a large quantity of loans for investors all over the country. Uh, he can usually be found hunting or fishing somewhere in the Rocky Mountains where he works as a big game guide in the fall. So welcome as well, Carter. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Happy to be here. So kind of take us from start to finish, uh, from point A to point C, there's this, hey, real estate's a great vehicle. There's rich dad, poor dad. Hey, the key to developing wealth is developing passive income. And then there's that journey into selecting multifamily apartments as the vehicle in order to do that. So kind of take us through that. So I guess I, I'm the one that needs to do that. One of my uh, very early memories is um, I was with my dad and we were actually constructing a second mobile home park. And dad said, run up there and grab, get the truck. Um, and we were, we were placing forms. So I was 12 or 13, you know, to put in some curb and gutter. And I'd never driven a truck before. I didn't have a license. And it was a manual, right? It was a manual transmission. I ran up to get it and kind of to bring the truck back. And I realized, wait a second, I just drove. That was really cool. But I, that's 
you know, I grew up, that was the second mobile home park. Another mobile home park was, it's about 170 unit. Um, we had already built and I helped with some of that, not as much as on the second one. I mean, screening, uh, concrete, like I said, placing and removing forms, doing some of the grading in the, the, the grader, all, all kinds from soup to nuts, if you will, in actually constructing that mobile home park. Um, and even before that, when I was to, my mom was pregnant with me, right. <laughs> and, uh, she could feel the contractions since she came, she drove to, where my dad was, and he was on the roof of uh, the third of three sixplexes that they, him and his twin brother were constructing. And she hollered up to him and said, hey, this baby's coming. You come to the hospital or not? And, and he worked <laughs> close. He climbed down off the roof, got in the, the car, went to the hospital, and I was born. So in some respects, from the very beginnings of where I, who I am, has revolved around um, multifamily rent real estate really. And I, all the income growing up and what we did, how we, all of it. Yet dad always told me, go to school. I want you to go to school. I want you to go to school. And, and so I always felt like I needed to get a, a lot of schooling. And that's why I said, I, the idea was, okay, I'm going to go get this great degree. I ended up getting the PhD. But then I realized afterwards, when I read the book, I said, wait a second, dad's done it right. He has a lot of passive income. He has a lot of time to go do what he wants to do. And he can drop at most any time and come visit a new grandchild. I mean, I'm the youngest. And so by the time I come around, there's 30 of them. <laughs> right. And so he goes, him and mom were able to go around and see the grandchildren, whatever they want. It's like, I don't like this, you know, seven in the morning to seven o'clock at night, including the commute in San Francisco or wherever to, to do all this. I got to get some passive income. And that's, and we got out of that, and then I started on my own. And as I kind of been said, that's where my boys started to learn about that. As the early as I could, I employed them to mow the lawn, to sweep whatever, to shovel snow. They can probably tell you about the adventures early in the morning before school. We <laughs> had it down to a, a science. We really did. I mean, you do this, then you do that, and we could go from property to property to property and take care of it and still get them to school on time. Well, I'm going to cut in here too, because not only were we able to do how many units, 20, 25 units before school, we, we were even able to fit in most of the elderly in the <laughs> right close where we'd go knock out their driveway before they were even dreaming of waking up. And so, yeah, we had a process. If you know anything about Jason is we always have a process. <laughs> that's that's excellent. So so where did you where did you learn to create those processes along the way? Uh, I guess a little bit from from my dad. He was a fairly organized person. He he was a he was actually a, a veteran of World War II, and so he had a military background. He commanded a platoon in World War II, and um, there was always kind of that thing. You know, we 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 did things in order. He did it kind of kind of right, and so I followed along with that. I guess that's interesting that your dad had achieved this passive income through real estate investing, but he was always telling you to go to school. And so you get the, if you look at your bio, you're gone to three really, really good schools. You got a PhD. And, and even after getting the PhD, you kind of go back to the roots and you're like, wait a minute, you know, this is, this is where I should be. You know, this is, this is what's creating passive income and free time. So what was the process of, going back to that. So I, I, my first job out of, you know, out of Caltech was in the Bay area. I spent an hour and a half each way. I mean, one way 
get into my my lab and then an hour and a half back and then I realized <laughs> yeah I've got high, I have a high paying job here however I'm not spending any time with my kids my oldest his first year of t-ball I didn't make it to a complete game uh, only made it to part of it and so then it's an opportunity looked at moving back closer to my home and say okay well let's take that took a 50% cut in pay came here and then I was able to coach the teams right and be there all the times so I was at practice and in that move, since I was there in late 99, early 2000, in fact, I was in San Francisco when uh, the Twin Towers were hit and our house was going up for sale right at that time. Uh, we came with a little bit of extra coin for the fact that our house had appreciated quite well in the Bay Area during the, the late 90s right there. And we came here and decided that, okay, we're going to do what dad did and find our first rental property just from there has built it. And then we said, okay, this much of our income, our W2 income is going to be always going to building a new asset. Talk to a little bit of your experience because you know you guys have done a lot of things. There's investing in property yourself and managing it, which comes with some pros and cons, dealing with leases, evictions, plumbing, repairs. Um, and then, and then there's also the side, the more passive side of things and, and passive income investments. You kind of lay out the landscape of where you feel like the best place is for your time, your energy and your capital. Well, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, we made the decision as a family, we, we sold off those mobile home parks and did a 1031 exchange into some REITs or some with some other people that were large multifamily units that we had a manager there. It was out of town. Before that, it was always, my dad was always doing it. I remember many times uh, calling and he was sick for the fact he had gone out and fixed a water leak under a mobile home park in the wintertime, right? And got too cold and too wet and caught cold or whatever. It had gone to this other situation and the only thing dad needed to do was go to the the mailbox and get the check every month. And it was a decent amount of money, right? It took care of mom and dad of pretty much everything they needed. They could pass on some to, to us kids. It's like, well, that's what I want. And also, I think we've played a lot of cash flow 101 um, <laughs> as a family. And when you really play the game, you start to understand it. It's not the small deals. It's the big deals that get you out of the rat race. And I might jump in here as well. I mean, to be frank and right to the point, there there comes a time, and it's something that we talked about a lot: is when is enough enough? It, to to me in particular, it's more about that time freedom. It's more about what Jason mentioned earlier. Like I have no recollection of Jason ever missing a ball game of mine, and there's no way he could have done it without that passive income factor to it all. I mean, from, from very, very early to the point on when I was getting offers to, to play D one ball, you know? And so that's always what's driven us is we enjoy the space. We enjoy everything about it. We know way too much about it, but <laughs> we are, we are definitely after managing the manager. So to say, we, we want to do more and just be able to do whatever we want with that time. Can you guys talk to a little bit uh, the limiting beliefs that some people have? Um, you wh what you just said, you know, when is enough enough? And and what you said, Jason, you know, I realized that I'm going to get out of the rat race quicker by going after big deals. 
you know, can you kind of talk to, you know, maybe someone's listening to this for the first time, they've got maybe a hundred thousand to invest passively in, in real estate. What are some of the things do you think that maybe you've experienced kind of making that transition from small to big or, or other people might be experiencing making that transition from small to big that might prevent them from, from taking that, that leap? I would say the number one thing I see, uh, especially that transition is when people do small deals, they have the experience that there's only one person that can win. And when you are introduced to a new world, a, a world where it's a lot bigger, everyone can win. There is enough of the pie that the investor, the passive investor can have great returns. There's enough of the pie that the general partnership can get what they need. And, and that's just the law of economics. It's the law of big numbers. Uh, so I would certainly say that that's the number one limiting belief that I've seen, especially from those that we've coached and mentored ourselves. I'd say another issue is fear. Um, there's, there's everyone that has heard a story or has a story. I mean, my own family, I've had experience investing in with some other people that turned out not to be very good. Right. Um, or attempting to do it all on your own and you stumble and lose it right? It going into bigger projects, as Scott alluded to, really is a team mentality. And you need to go into that as a team. It's not a one-man show. I'm saying, I myself can, you know, manage a duplex or a fourplex or three or four fourplexes. However, um, I'm not sure I can manage four 50plexes. It's way too much. And so it's start and being able to trust other people find the right people to do that. So with $100,000, I would spend a, a good amount of that vetting some people and finding the right kind of person, a right kind of team with whom I'm going to place that money. When you do that, even though you use up a little bit of that 100000 maybe you get on a plane, you go visit someone, you go walk a property, you go see what they're like, see their operation. And then you can really win and it starts to snowball. And it's really cool when that starts to happen. I, lo- I love what you said about that. Um, and, and, and you guys are both kind of echoing the same thing. Multifamily is a team sport. And uh, the other thing about that is it's it's personal too. When you're, when you're investing in Coca-Cola or, or the Dow Jones or the S&P, you know, that's not, it, it's not really something that's personal and, and real estate, and especially multifamily is driven by relationships. And it's one of those things where you can get to know a team. You know, you're not going to go fly and meet with the CEO of Microsoft before investing with them, but you get to do that in this, in this sport of real estate. Let's talk a little bit about some of your deals. Like what would you guys consider, you know, some of your best deals? What would you consider some of your worst deals and um, and what advice can we glean from those? Well, we have Carter on the phone, so I'm just going to say right now, I was the best deal. <laughs> uh, in in real estate specifically, I I've got to throw a, a caveat in there. I think the best deal that we have ever done is invested in ourselves, and not just that, but finding the right mentor. You know, I I remember very early on when I was building building my business and we were even starting to look to go bigger is we found we found a special mentor who just in the span of a couple of months took me well over um if you look at even an hourly pay 
took me thousand, 2000 times what I even thought possible simply because of how he looked at the world. So first and foremost, that that's been far more beneficial than anything we've been able to do past that though. Well, let me say, let me say right here, this mentor you're referring to, I think I know who you're referring to came about for the fact that you came to me and said, dad, I want to do real estate. I want to invest in some real estate. And one of the first things that I required of him and I required a, of all of them that so far that have come that way, it's like, go look at deals, find a realtor and go look at deals, go walk the property, single family, duplex, triplex. I don't care. Go walk the deals, put your foot around the toilet, put your foot around the, t- the tub, you know, look at the ceiling, do this. You have no clue right now what a good deal is. And you're not going to know until you've looked at, you know, 50 or so Carter was required to do the same thing. And that's really where a mentor kind of emerged uh, for Scott in that arena was actually looking at deals to figure out what's good and what's not. So I, I kind of cut you off there, Scott, but you can keep going. No, that's fine. You're exactly right. And I was going to say, I, I can point out a small deal and a big deal. Our small deal was one that Carter found up in Pocatello, Idaho. It was a fourplex that still to this day, it was just one of the best buys that we've ever had. I mean, we could have been two, three months into it, nothing down. Uh, it, every penny that was ever made from that property was pumped back into it. It's just been a killer, killer deal. Um, the appreciation, I, I think when we bought it, it was worth about 150 grand over what we bought it for. So that's why we call Carter the Grim Reaper. He he just whispers to old people. I don't know how else to put it in that. He has a gift. <laughs> Tell us about it, Carter. I mean, we, were, we, we had, had bought a list and we were actually making phone calls, cold calling people and saying, how do you feel about your property? Would you like to sell it, et cetera? I mean... Tell us a little bit about that, Carter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was exactly like Jason said. You know, we had bought a list of a thousand or so leads. Our family, like like we mentioned earlier, Dad was born in Pocatello, and so Scott and I grew up in the area. It was like our second home. Every holiday we were up there, and so we knew pretty well the market. And so you know, we we came home, and I I was like a, a freshman or a sophomore in college at time at the time. And I'd come home after school and I'd sit down and I'd call through, you know, 20 or 30 names a day. And anybody that's done cold calling knows that cold calling is awful. <laughs> it, it is one of the most difficult things to do purely for the fact that, you know, people on the other end of the line can be really rude. You know, there it's it can be very, very impersonal. And so it was it was really tough at first, but, you know, Scott and I both, I think, quickly developed a skill of being able to connect with people on the other end of the line that didn't know who we were and that had never seen us before. And this this gentleman in particular, you know, called him up and we got to joking and talking and I took an interest in what he was doing. And and turns out that, yeah, he was he was willing to sell a property and we went up there and met him. I, d- I don't think we really spent actually all all that much time walking the property in comparison to how much time we spent getting to know him. There's no we there, Carter. <laughs> you were the one who was very key in that. But yeah, it, it was it's still a killer deal. Like it, the equity alone was almost double what we bought the property for. So rents yeah, were even below market. We were able to raise the rents and increase values and stuff. Oh yeah. Classic. That, and and even today, you know, even though we're doing bigger deals now we 
we always are going to hold on to that property just because it's it's cash flowing and it gives us an awesome return every single month. That's excellent. You know, they one of, one of the first pieces of advice that I got early, early on when I was first getting started in real estate is someone told me, if you want to be successful in real estate, if, if you want to find the deals, if you want to make the most amount of money, then your money zone is going to be your comfort zone. And I specifically remember that I was very uncomfortable with cold calling or going door to door. And, and nobody has to do that if they're investing passively. You know, that's what we do to find deals. We're cold calling. And it, had you had you had a group of investors, they would have really benefited from you doing the work there because that's where your mon- money zone is, is getting uncomfortable. I remember I was doing pre-foreclosures and people are going through, you know, bankruptcy or divorce. And I had a buddy with me. I was so scared to do it that I literally sat in the car while he walked up to the doors and knocked on the doors to ask them if we could buy their house. So, I mean, it was just, if you're not comfortable with it, then you can get somebody else who's comfortable with it. And and if you find that person, as Jason was saying earlier, that's the person you want to form your team around. So that was your most lucrative deal. Tell us about some of the other deals that you learned lessons from. Some of the my dad's money, family money, if you will, was put into a project in Southern California with a manager that turned out to be, frankly, greedy. And it makes no sense. To this day, it makes no sense. Um, there was so much money being thrown off from this property. Uh, we invested quite a bit down there and we were a tenant in common. So we were on the title with the whole thing. And he started to you know, overcharge and do things. And some other investors, some of the limited partners, if you will, in the project got really upset and all went to court and everything blew up. And I mean, people eventually got their money back and everything. However, it simply went sour. There's a lot of hard feelings, things. And in the end, everybody essentially lost. I mean, it was, the property was purchased, right? I mean, I did learn there that, and I've learned many times, I think you learn most, your earn most your money by buying the property. It's when you buy it is when you make most of your income. Yet it, it fell apart and that passive income is no longer there. Someone else has the property. And that was why I said earlier, you find the right kind of person and you vet them, you spend some time, you go talk to them, you go see their operation you know, again, if you only have a hundred thousand dollars invest, then you probably take ten thousand dollars and you go vet them. It's going to be well worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. That's one crash and burn, if you will. That was even our introduction to Servio to kind of connect the dots. Right there is we we tested Ryan out, and we're like, you know what? We I like what's going on here. We had a mentor recommend it. We test you out, and then all of a sudden things went smoothly and we have been enough of these. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's, let's add, we can add a lot of more value here. And so that's kind of a brief introduction to our story and how we connected. So, well, we're, we're serious about who we are and, you know, kind of our value system. I, I get more nervous about other people that I recommend losing money than my own money being lost in a deal. I'm not going to tell other people about stuff unless I feel really, really comfortable. And that's the case when with Servio, we've been saying, look, it's dividends come like clockwork. They, they, here's the pro forma they did before. This is where they're at. Communication's awesome. And so it's been very easy to work with them. 
As a backdrop, and by the way, guys, I didn't ask them to say this. As a backdrop, Servio is my company, and and they also, the Hendersons also, I should have said this in the intro, they've, they've invested in some of our multifamily um, deals. So I know I appreciate the shout out, guys. But you mentioned uh, your core value system. Let's talk about that a little bit. You know, everybody operates from some core values, and that affects the way that they conduct business. It, it affects the way that, or it should affect the way they invest as well. And it affects what they're spending their time doing. Some of the things that you've already mentioned is that your your family is very important to you. And you you went on a certain career path because you want to coach more baseball. You want to be in, at, at more things. Um, you guys have talked about time and how much time that you know you want to have to be able to be present around your family. So we know that family is a core value, but kind of share with us some of the the core principles and values that you guys are operating from. Like I said, my dad was a, a veteran of World War II. And so in a sense, there's a generation skip there. M- my oldest brother, in theory, could have been my my parent for the fact he's 25 years older than me. And so he would have been more of the the baby boom, gen- the, the leading edge of the baby boom generation, the 60s, you know, people that <laughs> had a different mentality of about what America is all about. Um, and so the whole idea that this is a land of opportunity and this is a land of when you're honest and hardworking, then you're going to win when you work right, then you're going to win. And that's what I grew up with. And that's how I have kind of passed on and, and still live today. I feel like that when you're, you help enough other people that you're going to be helped yourself. I saw that in my, my, my dad the hardest working person I've ever met <laughs> and hopefully are attempting to pass that on to next generation and also have that applicable in what I do and the people I meet and work with. Go ahead, Scott. I, I was going to say the, to rank our core values, like the very first one is God. <laughs> he comes first, no matter what. After that, I would say probably each individual spouse that we have, even though Carter copied mine, <clears throat> marrying an Elena Henderson. And, and Wait, are, you guys, are you guys both married to an Elena? Yeah, same way with red hair. I had it first. I was married four <laughs> years first. Okay. And then I would say after that is family. Whether that's whether that's it's starting to get to be extended family between the three of us. The we we just love spending time with everyone. That that's where it all boils down to is we want that time to spend with those that we love because that's truly what's most important in this life. I would I would even add to that. I'd say we grew up going to family reunions all the time and we're our family's starting to get to that age where cousins are starting to be more distant. Like Scott said, you know, our, our family's starting to expand and we want to spend time together. This country is way too good. As Jason said, it's the land of opportunity and there's so much to do and to be seen and to be done to spend our whole life living for a job, waking up at seven in the morning to go work for somebody else and come back at seven at night so that somebody else can see their kids and do all the fun things. No, that's amazing. So kind of what I'm hearing you guys say is some of these priorities that you have, God, spouse, family, spending time with family, that's that's why you've oriented yourself around investing in real estate and being part of real estate because you've chosen that as the vehicle to create that passive income that creates those values. And then also when you said, Jason, that when you help enough people, that's when you win. You know, that's, that's a major core value because a lot of people wake up 
in the morning, they say, how can I win today instead of how can I help other people win today? And it's, and it's when you say, how can I help other people win is where you actually get that, <laughs> that benefit and you live a happier life. So, well, a wise man once said that the greatest of all is the servant of all, right? And my ability to serve my fellow beings, my fellow humans, my fellow Americans is limited to my two hands, right? And all, well, anything I can do during a day. However, I can expand my service of other people with my money, right? With my investment. Investing in multifamily investments, I'm actually providing a service to 150 families, for example, giving them a good, clean, you know, well-kept, maintained place to live at a reasonable price. Now I am serving not only what I can with my hands, but then 150 people. And then if I'm able to go to another, my, my ability to serve more and more people gets bigger and bigger as I invest in more projects and help them go to the next step. I'm, I'm not looking for them to stay and be a renter in my rental unit forever, you know, I want to help them out while they're there and then they can move on. But I think that's a something that I think about a lot of the time. So how many people can I serve? Well, I want to serve them with using my money in the right way. I would add to that is is not just money, but like knowledge. And that's 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 originally how Carter and I even became partners, to be honest. <laughs> we have such different strengths and such different uh, knowledge sets, even coming from the same family and even being as close as the first and second uh, children in the family. I I enjoy teaching. And a lot of times that's where we find ourselves is teaching and showing people, okay, this is this is how it goes. And then to watch them have their minds change or even a step further, having them invest with us, I get no bigger kick in life than writing a big old check to one of my investors and having them call just be like, this is the coolest thing ever. It's like, well, I told you, too bad you didn't start six months ago, huh? Absolutely. And when you serve people, it always, you know, they always say what goes around comes around. And that's how, you know, we've, we've been able to grow a lot of things is when you start serving people and really do start providing a service to people, they begin to trust you and they begin to want to help you back and your network begins to grow. And that's, that's where a lot of our opportunities have come from just making friends with people and and serving them. Even if, even if the intent there in the beginning was nothing more than just to serve them and help somebody out because we could. It's excellent. So speaking very specifically, everybody, I was I was going to get into to some details on some of the stuff that that they do, um, but I think it would be better if we we take separate episodes to do that um, to really to really educate and help people through that process. All part of the blueprint to make millions within multifamily investing. But just to give you guys a little teaser, Hendrex Capital. If you go to HendrexCapital.com. That's H-E-N-D-E-R-X capital.com. There's a lot that the Hendersons can help you with. One is the infinite banking we were talking about earlier. It's essentially a a ninja trick to using both a whole life policy as a whole life policy and using it to invest passively in in real estate and, and other things. Any kind of loan, I've personally used the Hendersons for for hard money loans, uh, other lending options. They're extremely knowledgeable, and they've got a lot of connections in getting you some of the best stuff that's out there on the market, Um, as well as setting up wills and trusts and general real estate and investing consultation. They've got their own podcast 
what's what's the name of the podcast, guys? I don't want to. I, I think I know what it is, but I don't want to screw it up by saying the wrong name. Master your millions. Master your millions. See, I was going to say manage your millions. So it's master your millions. So they've got a lot of valuable content that they're putting out on that. Um, they just they, what they're saying in this podcast. They're not just saying it. They really live their life and providing value to other people and serving other people. And it shows. And that's part of why I asked them to be uh, my co-hosts on this podcast. So before, before we leave, anybody that wants to speak with them specifically, henderxcapital.com. But before we leave, if you guys could share just one golden nugget of wisdom, if you're just getting started, and we talked about this, if you have 100000 to invest passively in real estate, what advice would you give people? Measure twice, cut once. <laughs> and, what I, and what I mean by that is, is spend extra time doing due diligence on the deal. And the people that I've seen that have crashed and burned, and I have crashed and burned on various investments, is that you get emotional. And this is awesome. Yeah, I'm going to do this. And you move too fast. Uh, deal of a lifetime comes around every day in this space. I mean, there are so many good deals out there. And Ryan, as if you put stuff out there, we're coming into a few years, the next few years, where there's going to be a an amazing opportunity to make a lot of money. Um, take your time, measure twice and cut once. That's what that's would be my advice. Who else can jump in? I love I tell people who ask me that all the time, it really boils down to your team. You don't have to be, you don't have to know it all. You don't even have to be, have specific knowledge on things. Although if you have a good team, someone that's been vetted for that has experience, your money will grow far faster by partnering than, than a lot of times you can do on your own. That's, that's always been the core. Find the best in the business partner with them, learn from them, add value. Excellent. And it also enables you to do what you were saying earlier, Jason, you can focus on big deals when you have a good team, which gets you out of the rat race quicker. If you've ever played that board game. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the only thing. I mean, we, we've been playing a smaller game, right. And I had seen my dad play a big game and it was Scott that was pushing. We've got to, we're going to either, we need to go big or we need to stop this. And that was, key is finding the right team to, to help us get to that next level. Sorry, I interrupted Carter. It's, it's your turn. No, I was going to say, you know, there's a, there's an old proverb that the best time to plant a fruit tree was 30 years ago. The second best time is today. Um, Jason is hundred percent correct in saying that you need to measure twice, cut once, but you also can't be paralyzed by fear. Um, opportunities do pass it's true the opportunity of a lifetime comes around every single day in this space but if you never make a decision on something opportunities are going to come and go and come and go and pretty soon you're going to be five ten years down the road and you're going to be at the same place that you were today love so, it appreciate you guys being here today thank you thank you thank you Ryan. Thank you for watching Real Estate Investor Secrets Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss a valuable episode. And you can also check out the link in the show notes if you want to book an appointment to talk about real estate investing strategies and opportunities. Thanks a lot. Take care and God bless.